The National Football League in 2018 generated nearly $15 billion in revenue. In the same year, Major League Baseball generated almost $10 billion and the NBA about $8 billion. That's a lot of money. Sports has become huge business. At professional levels, conversations about sports ethics and the heart behind the leagues and teams and players are inextricably intertwined with the influence of money. So it makes it easy to forget that nearly every kid around the world has engaged in some kind of athletic activity, from playing a game of tag to pickup games of basketball or ballet classes at a local studio or even running the mile at school. Yuck. When we get older, as an athlete or as a fan, the environment and culture surrounding sports pulls and tugs our souls in all kinds of directions. Sometimes, remembering the joy of playing just for fun can help us to forget what obscures our view of the sacredness of athletics and sport. This is what I learned when I asked my nine-year-old, Micah, about his soccer, quote-unquote, career. Hey, Micah, so what sports do you play? Soccer. How long have you been playing soccer? How many teams have you been on? Two. Wait. Oh. Yeah, two. What league is it? Um. So like club soccer or AYSO? AYSO. Oh, okay. What was your first team called? Uh, South Bay Warriors. What about your second team? Um, Red Ninjas. Oh, so you were a warrior and then a ninja. Yeah. So what is it that you like about being on a soccer team? Mm, just get to kick a ball and play with your friends. Do you like practices? Yeah. You do like practices. Why do you like practices? Because you get to score goals and I usually don't get to do that in games. Oh, I see. Do you like doing all the drills? Yeah. Why do you like the drills? They're fun. Because you get to dribble the ball really, 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 really fast. Do you feel like doing all the practice helps you to improve as a player? Yeah, because when I first started... Uh, wait, I also did LA Galaxy. Oh, that's true. You did do LA Galaxy. But when I first played, I wasn't that good. But then I kept on practicing... And it made me the soccer player I am today. What surprised me most was how little angst there was in his answers. I was waiting for some internal struggle about his soccer skills or the experience of being on his teams. But that stuff didn't occur to him. He just enjoyed playing the game. Things are simpler when you're nine.
Welcome to the third episode of Season 2 of Breadcrumbs, our youth ministry podcast at Bread of Life Church. I'm Jason Lowe, the youth minister at Bread of Life. This season, we're talking about the theme, Sacred versus Secular. When we label certain activities as sacred or as secular, have we really considered how that influences the way we see the world? Have we thought about how it might hinder our faith? Is it even right or accurate to use such labels? In this episode, we talk about athletics and sports. It's a huge part of American culture, and most young kids participate in some youth league like AYSO or city baseball or basketball. By the time you reach middle or high school, many students are still involved with some kind of athletic activity. And though most students eventually leave organized athletics behind before their adult years, the door is wide open to consume sports as a fan or to be athletically active in a recreational way. With such a pervasive aspect of our culture, and even our humanity, what can we say about it? Well, here's the point of this episode. What we're going to wrestle with the rest of our time. And the idea or the point is this, that if athletics and sports display both the glory and the darkness of humanity in a very unique way. Through sport, we see and experience the glory of being made in God's image, and we see and experience the darkness of our fallen nature. I want to start with the very nature of sports and games. Every game or sport we might play or participate in requires athletic activity directed and constrained by the rules of the game. No matter the sport, baseball or dance or tag, participants push their bodies to compete according to a set of agreed-upon guidelines to determine a winner. In a very real way, I think this is a part of what it means to be human. The idea of working and applying our human capacities within a created reality to achieve something great. However relative that greatness might be, it seems to me to be an expression of how we are actually like God and how we grow in our humanness. The creativity of the games we invent and the testing of our very real limits as humans is part of the natural course of being made in the image of God and being given a mandate to subdue and rule over his creation with him. In its essence, that process is sacred. God made rules like gravity and the chemical characteristics of water, and we creatively explore what is humanly possible, directed and constrained by the rules of the quote-unquote game. Although, we probably shouldn't call it a game. It sort of seems flippant to say so. Nevertheless, Games do tap into a fundamental part of our identity as God's image bearers and co-rulers. Of course, the rebellious, sinful human heart rears its ugliness everywhere, including in our games. The list of ways that our sinful hearts ooze into sports is practically endless. But I think it starts with why we play the game what it is that motivates us. What are the motives for playing? 
At the highest levels of athletics, the prevailing attitude is that winning is the motivation. Winning is everything. You may experience growth as a player or as a team, but if you don't end the season as a champion, then the season is a failure. And I think that this can work its way out in sinful and damaging ways. One of our students, Angus Shen, is a sophomore at West High School. He shares about his experience. I started playing sports when I was five years old, playing AYSO soccer and Torrance League basketball. And it started off really fun playing um, after school or Saturday morning games with all my friends. But it soon turned into um, a bit of a stressful situation, not wanting to let um, my teammates down or um, my coaches play that and missing critical shots or uh, letting a scorer um, get the ball. But I think that that feeling also got worse when I got to high school, uh, joining the cross-country team. Um, now, making sure to do my part in races, making sure to tell my teammates and pacing them through certain miles. But then also got worse coming track season um, with not wanting to mess up my leg of like a 4 by 800 meter relay, but um, wanting to perform, whether that meant um, for my teammates, for myself, or for my parents. And it also left playing all these sports also left me with a really competitive mindset, um, always wanting to do my best or um, perform the best I can. And that comes with its ups and downs, whether with um, stress and needing to perform for other people, but also um, leaving me very driven to achieve all my goals and um, achieve goals I've set for myself. You see, Angus didn't want to fail, which isn't sinful, but what happened was that his identity started to become attached to his performance and what he's capable of athletically. His glory or his shame were at stake, and they depended on how well he ran or performed. The truth is that his glory and shame are at stake but they don't depend on how well he runs or performs. They depend on how well he bears the image of his creator. And in this way, winning or losing at sports, it starts to become more about the glory of our own name and about our self-centered pride and about how our athletic ability brings us glory and allows us to be proud when it really should be more about the glory of God and how well we bear his image through athletics. But aside from our motivation for playing, I think it's also worth talking about the growing process that comes with athletics and the idea that that growing process is a sacred process that we should enjoy. Every athlete has experienced the process of practice and improvement, the disciplined work to hone your skills and grow in your sport so that you're simply better. The obvious purpose in the process is the end of getting better so that the next time you play, you have more success. 
But the less obvious purpose is the transformation of your character through the process. The way that training and growing as an athlete changes who you are. The Apostle Paul, in talking about spiritual growth, uses the metaphor of sports, pointing us to this idea of training and growing through athletics and through practice. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. As I said, he's using this process, this athletic training process, as a metaphor for spiritual transformation and growth. But I don't think it's just a helpful metaphor. I think physical training in sports can produce real growth in us. And I think there's also the value of growing in the context of a team setting. Growing with other people is something that we should be aware of, pay attention to. I think Micah has noticed this in his limited experience with athletics. And it improves your teamwork. Improves your teamwork? What do you mean? Well, like you learn how to get along like they say, pass the ball. If you don't want to, it, they could be mad. But it helps you improve. Like, pass me the ball. Okay. Everybody's happy and it improves their teamwork. I get it. I get it. He's enjoying the idea that we work together with others, using our particular skills and abilities for a shared goal or purpose. The microcosm of sports mirrors the kind of relationships we were made for and the kind of cooperation that it should exist in the church, the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, Paul says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Everyone has a gift. Everyone has something they contribute for the common good, just like in a team. Later on in verse 12 of chapter 12, he says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. He's talking about a body, but that's... The language of team, the language of teamwork, being part of one body, working together toward a common goal. On the other hand, being on the team brings out some of our darkness. The conflicts that arise within a team, or even the attitude we might take toward our opponents as our competitive spirit comes out, can be quite dark. As Angus mentioned, the pressure to perform and not let teammates down can be significant. 
And sometimes our competitive spirit can lead to looking at our teammates with disdain or frustration because of how they're performing. In our own minds, we might reduce their value, even as a person, to their usefulness to the team. Our competitiveness can also give rise to disdain or a dehumanizing of our opponents. We may characterize our opponents based on how they play or their behavior in competition. Or maybe we even find that gaining some kind of competitive edge that breaks the rules is worth considering. There are tons of high-profile examples of this, like cyclist Lance Armstrong doping on his way to seven victories in the Tour de France. Or more recently, baseball's Houston Astros and the sign-stealing scandal from 2017. So we see that it's all too easy for our competitive spirit within the context of a team, as it's directed maybe toward our teammates or toward our opponents, can cause us to think and say and do things that are dark and sinful and evil. I think it's important to mention sports fandom. The truth is that most of us don't play competitively into adulthood, but we may follow our favorite team or favorite players. I just have a few thoughts to offer to sports fans. The athletic feats of players at the highest levels are indeed amazing and offer one side of the glory that humanity has. God made some of us astoundingly fast or coordinated or agile or strong. I think we can celebrate that. However, The risk of idolatry in our celebrity-crazed culture is all too real. The pride that surely fills such amazing humans, fueled by the godlike worship from the masses of fans, is a darkness that incessantly attacks us. Not only that, but with billions of dollars pouring into sports athletes and sports leagues, means that they carry a disproportionate weight or value in our culture. Made-up championships and the desire to obtain them consume both players and fans to the point that an outsider might conclude that this fabricated trophy actually has some sort of lasting significance. Spoiler alert, it doesn't. But it can lead to thoughts and conversations that are absent of grace or gentleness or self-control because the drive to win is all important. We need to be vigilant because our culture cares too much about winning and ascribes too much glory and significance to the admittedly amazing athletes that exist among us. As we come to the end, I want to offer you a few takeaways. First, sports is, in its essence, a sacred activity that in many ways connects us with our Creator. And I think that it's wise for us, as we play, to keep that truth in mind. Even the heart behind setting a goal and establishing rules or guidelines for athletes to compete within has echoes of the divine image within us. 
Unfortunately, the intensity and competitiveness that accompany sports brings out a lot of the darkness of humanity. And then second, who you become as a result of athletic achievement is more important than what you're able to achieve. The goal of sports is to win. But for the Christian, as she's trying to win, she is more concerned with who she's becoming in the process. This idea isn't lost on Michaela Hetrick, a junior at West who's been playing sports for nearly her whole life. My involvement in sports has really opened my eyes to the world around me and the good and the bad that goes along with it. Through sports, I've grown as a person. I've learned how to push myself, and I've made some lifelong friendships along the way. I've had to interact with toxic people and people who are bad influences on me on a daily basis and be cordial with them. Being involved in sports has tested my endurance, willpower, and patience, but I believe I'm a better person now because of the sports I've participated in. Like music and education, sports is something sacred that can connect us to our Creator in a powerful way. But it is also uniquely positioned to fuel the greedy, selfish, arrogant leanings of our hearts. Enjoy sports, but keep an eye on that heart of yours. Allow yourself to enjoy the process and all its benefits, including the simple joys of playing with friends. All right, well, do you have anything else you want to tell me? Do you want to tell me any stories that you remember about playing sports that you thought were really fun? Um, today I played soccer with Noah, and I passed to him. He almost scored a goal, but he didn't touch it. But his... Um, she flew all the way over the brick wall and near the pool on it, the other side. In our neighbor's yard? Mm-hmm. Was that funny? Yeah. Yeah, but, but who had to go get the shoe? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I was inside eating pancakes. Yeah, well, just so you know, I had to hop the fence into our neighbor's yard and retrieve Noah's shoe. Thank you. Uh Uh-huh. Funny for you, but not for me. (laughs) Thanks for joining us this month for Breadcrumbs. See you in April.